Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. This is what church is, a big, uh, a big aspect of church. And so normally, you know, we preach scripture. I love Bible teaching. That's my passion. And we like to have a good, strong message that's uh, applicable to your life. Uh, but today we have to talk about church. We have to talk about who we are. We can put up the slideshow. Um, and where we're going as a future, in the future. And so in order to discuss uh, where, where we've been as a church uh, from maybe before you were around and where we are and then where we're headed over the next uh, number of years, we're going to do a quick history. Uh, I have a lot to say in a short time because I have to leave by uh, 11.30 to get up to our Nichols Road Kalamazoo uh, campus because I'm going to be sharing the same uh, vision there uh, uh, immediately after this. But, you know, this church actually started way back in the 80s. It actually started in 1981, and uh, I first attended when we were meeting in that little building. And if you've been to our Vine Street campus on Locust Street, downtown Kalamazoo, you'll notice that's right next door. Um, That building, that big brick building is where our Vine building is now. We have a congregation there, but we started out using this Hispanic uh, uh, church in the afternoons. And uh, so a- after 36 years, I've, uh, we've moved 30 feet. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. It took 30 years to get that building. We used to pray for that building because it was so much larger. Um, but that's uh, where we started. And um, uh, this is a picture from outside uh, that building. And if you notice, we still have the sign. I was out, out in the garage and I saw, my goodness, there's a sign from the, from the early days. So this is proof that those black and white pictures, we actually had color back then. For those of you who don't <laughs> may never have been in black and white world, uh, it was actually full color. And what's amazing is eight people in that picture are still part of the church. And I was taking the picture, so that means there's nine that continue to be part of our church after all these years. And that's an incredible testimony. Uh, you can kind of tell that the founding pastor was a hippie based on the sign that he painted. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was the original name, Redemption Center, and it's, uh, it's changed over a number of years. Uh, We outgrew that building pretty quickly. I think we were only in there for a year and uh, uh, moved to this house again in downtown Kalamazoo. So we were a house church for a while and uh, the downstairs was used for uh, the meeting space. Upstairs was where the pastor and his wife lived. And then on Sundays, all the rooms were used for Sunday school. But we really grew. It was really knit together. Had a few weddings there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, We uh, met on Western's campus uh, for a season when we outgrew that building until we were able to purchase uh, the former Fourth Reformed Church. And then we had an official church building and it, we had stained glass. And that made all the difference because it really helped some people uh, recognize us as a, as a real church, you know. And that, that building served us well. We were able to um, quickly pay that off. I think we were in there less than 10 years. <clears throat> And uh, God grew the church and continued to grow the church. The hospital, Bronson Hospital, ended up buying that property uh, from us. And and when they expanded, expanded their building, which enabled us to move out and purchased the vacant land on Nichols Road. And this is the first service that we had at the Nichols Road uh, church out in the middle of a field. And we were uh, breaking up the follow ground, literally, with our songs and our praise, because it was follow ground. It had been plowed. There were still ruts uh, in, in the, the hardened clay ruts that someone tried to farm it years ago. What year was that? That was in um, 95. No, 94. Uh, 94, and so we were worshiping and praising God, and uh, and uh, built uh, a building there that um, uh, where we're still at, and yeah, it was great, <laughs> and uh, really thankful for what God did. Uh, and the the difference between our old building and our new building was phenomenal. It was so much bigger and brand new, and and so much nicer. And, and we continued to grow. Um, uh, Shortly after that, actually, in about 2099 and 2000, I transitioned into being the lead pastor, and the former pastor, founding pastor, went into more itinerant ministry. He's now living out in California in a semi-retired state, <laughs> so he still ministers some, but he's mostly retired. Uh, but we found very quickly after I became pastor that we built too small, and all the rooms, all the rooms were too small except for the the main room, because that was always intended to be a multi-purpose room, and we'd hoped that. We'd build a sanctuary, but some, uh, you know, we didn't 
didn't quite plan it right, <laughs> and uh, we still need to build a sanctuary there. So we started knocking out walls. This is Scott Jones knocking out uh, a whole room that is now part of the foyer or entranceway, <clears throat> and we continued to knock out rooms. Um, we used to have offices, knocked out all the offices to create classrooms. I don't have an office. Uh, I, I just set up on a table in a classroom because kids are important. I, I don't need an office. Kids need a classroom. Knock down the wall. It was an easy decision. So once we kind of maxed out that space, God led us to grow in a different way. And for about four years ago, we grew by growing sideways, all right? And uh, we had planted a church. Uh, actually, we had planted two churches. After I'd become pastor, we planted a church up in Grand uh, Rapids. And then we sent Scott and Stephanie Jones to plant a church in South Carolina. They're doing phenomenal. Their church is about the same size as our Kalamazoo church already. And... Um, but then God opened up the doors for us to get this building and, uh, uh, and raise $100,000 to renovate it. And this was a big stretch for our Kalamazoo congregation because I actually had one family, a pillar in the, in the church. You know, they were like, can one pastor actually pastor two churches? Is that, is that even acceptable? <laughs> you know, and historically, that's actually the norm. Um, uh, they didn't know that. <clears throat> but uh, we gutted this whole section. This was the first service. And it was cold in here. <laughs> it was a cold thing. There's something about when we the first service we did at the, the Vine building was cold too. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if there's a pattern there. It's Michigan, that's what it is. <laughs> so and didn't it turn out well? Come on, look at this. That's a big change, eh? <clears throat> so God's done a great thing. We and we're continuing to grow after that. So about two years ago, God led us to transform uh, what was an adult, uh, uh, young adult ministry into a full-fledged church. This is the downtown Iglesia building. That white uh, house is our building is is where we started. It's some guys living there now. And this is our, our uh, place that started out looking like this. And if you've been in that room, you know it's a lot different now. Okay, It's a beautiful worship space. And we took years and tens and tens of thousands of dollars over the years to renovate it into a worship space. So there's an active congregation there. There's a good picture of, of uh, Scott, uh, pastor of the South Carolina Church, preaching in our Vine Church. And this is Anthony, who you all should know. He teaches from time to time down here and his beautiful wife, Nicole, and their site pastors. And so we launched them in. So now we have three congregations, and they're all doing well, okay? And I love it. I'm really excited. And um, it, it, it's fantastic. We're, we're a church that emphasizes our, our vision is loving, learning, and leading. It's a condensed version of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Loving God, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, the Great Commission, <clears throat> going all to the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, teaching them all that I've taught you. So that's the learning and the leading part of it. And, and we're doing it. And in addition to our three congregations, we have the South Carolina congregation, and then they spun off a church in North Carolina. We also have a, a, a church plants uh, up and coming in London, England, and in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And so God's doing great things in and through, not me, through you, all right? Because I couldn't do any of this if it wasn't for you. Uh, we also do extensive mission work all over the world. I've had people in mega churches come to me and just be floored at the number of uh, missions that we accomplish being a church of our size. And that's because I don't wait until we're big enough. <laughs> like, we're just going to do it. God says go, so I go. So I'm going to Japan again in a couple of weeks. We go there frequently, taking a team. We, we uh, raised a bunch of money earlier this year to bless uh, the mission in Mexico. And they're building a training center. Uh, right now they're doing her, uh, the, the earthquake relief. And then the training center in Kenya and the Kaleo ministry. Josh was here not too long ago. Um, and uh, our mission work continues all over the world. I, I don't have time to list all the nations that we've touched. Uh, right now, we, where we are today, so that's where we were, is a church plant, a house church, uh, you know, a congregation, and then a multiple site church, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, growing. And where we are now is a healthy, family-friendly church that's solidly biblical-based and free in the Spirit. So I don't know if you noticed, but like during worship, I could hear the kids yakking. <laughs> to me, that blesses me. That is worship. You know, the disciples uh, wanted to quiet the kids and hush them off. And Jesus said, what are you doing? He got, Jesus was upset at his, his followers for trying to quiet the kids. You know, if you have kids in the house, that's a good thing. All right? That brings life and freedom. 
And, uh, and so we, when Kathy and I, she's back doing kids ministry right now, um, took over as senior leaders, we were like, we're going to make everything family friendly, friendly for uh, parents with young kids. And, and we want the kids to want to come back. And uh, <clears throat> I had someone say this just uh, yesterday. Uh, they said, uh, my kids in the middle of the week asked, can we go to church? Because they don't want to wait to the end of the week. <laughs> I'm like, that's what you want to keep, right? Don't you want your teenagers to say, boy, I just want to go to church. All right? That's a good thing. <laughs> and solid biblical base. You know, most of our teachers are, are seminary trained. Uh, Graham has got a doctorate. He's a dean of a Christian university in Grand Rapids. And he's one of our lead teachers. Okay? And uh, Mark is, uh, is working on his master's. Anthony's finishing his master's. Jimmy's got his master's degree. And so we're really, really... Uh, uh, Frankly, we really are heavy on theology and and making sure everything's biblical-based, but we're also committed to being free in the Spirit. And there's that balance of of freedom in the Spirit and biblical-based. And I want to preserve that. That's one thing that I learned from the founding pastor, Ken, is that he was solid theological. Uh, we, we wouldn't do it unless it was, unless we saw the evidence of it in scripture. And then, uh, but really free in the Holy Spirit. And that's how Jesus, that's why I say, Jesus, look at Jesus' ministry. Uh, the people he upset the most were the religious people. And, and because he was free, but he, he was the word. And then we're also at Antioch Church. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I think, I forget what it was last week or two weeks ago, where I talked about church's mission and that uh, the Christians, the church was first called Christians when they started a church in Antioch. And that's significant because Jesus said, wait until the Spirit comes and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, Antioch was part of the ends of the earth. Okay, That was beyond Israel up into what we now call Syria. And when they started the church, it was actually reaching the Gentile world. The identity of being Christians, people who live in Christ, uh, was was put on them. And that's the identity that we've walked in now for 2,000 years. And so I believe it's significant that when we fulfill, we, we begin to fulfill that great commission, we really step into our our, our calling as a church, our identity. And what I mean by this, that we're known as an Antioch church, is in our worldwide network of churches, <coughs> Um, many other churches look to us as an example because they're small churches or medium-sized churches. Technically, we're a medium-sized church um, by numbers if you, because we're one church with three congregations. Um, and so the total number of how we're doing this is a pattern that other people look to to help uh, uh, replicate and how to grow. And so, quite frankly, almost every week I'm on the phone with some pastors from somewhere in the country or in the world, you know, encouraging them and saying, well, this is how we do it, and this is what we, how we solve that problem. And so, again, that's not me. That's you, all right? If the Kalamazoo Church didn't take the risk of investing in sent, coming down here and raising a bunch of money and putting in... I can't even count how many hours we've put in, Mark and I and others have put in to get this up and running. Um, uh, We wouldn't have reproduced, but we did. And now you are contributing so that we can continue to reproduce. And that then encourages not only us, not only reaches our community, but helps reach, helps other churches expand their vision as well. All right, which brings us to uh, (laughs) 320 and beyond and what this is all about. Uh, We've been promoting it in the previous weeks. This is what we're calling our initiative that's going to run for the next several years and really set the course for the future of our church, all three congregations. And the story behind it is, after we got uh, this up and running, it was great, it took me a lot of time, and uh, uh, God came through, and um, uh, it was wonderful, and then we launched Vine. I'm like, gosh, can we do another one? Sure, let's just go for it. You know, the door was open, we did it, um, and that was going well. But I realized that uh, we had three congregations, but each congregation had a unique barrier. Okay, there was a growth-limiting factor. There was something I could see, okay, you know, Vandalia's doing good, but in order to get to the next level, we got we got to do something. You know, what what do we have to do to get it growing and and really effective at reaching Cass County? You know, there's 52,000 people in this county. 52,000 people. You know, and so 
Tens of thousands of people have no connection with God. And we're commissioned. This is our, this is our Jerusalem. We have to reach this. So how can we do it? And, uh, and same with Vine. <clears throat> how can we break through the barriers there? Nichols, how can we break through the growth barriers there? And I was, I was struggling. I was really struggling. And I needed advice. I was praying. And lo and behold, I got a phone call <clears throat> from an old friend. I've known him for over 20 years. He's sitting over in the corner. He's going to speak in a few minutes. Mark. Wave your hand. <laughs> Mark Jeevert, um, is uh, got tremendous experience in leading uh, a lot of different things. I worked with him when the churches in Kalamazoo united. When I first started being a pastor, it was hard to even find another pastor to say hello to. Okay, because they pastors hide in their offices. Okay, <laughs> serious. It's kind of a weird dynamic. But we, we being me and a number of other pastors, committed to for ten years. I met weekly with a group of pastors. We had pastors prayer cells, and and then we did joint events. And one of the events was um, uh, for the first time ever, we uh, Western Michigan's uh, football stadium, Bronco Stadium, was used for a non-Western event, and we pulled it together. Not we, mostly Mark. I watched him do miracles in pulling together a massive event in less than two weeks, and it went off fantastic. And a few years before that, I watched Mark and others pull together filling Wing Stadium to capacity on an Easter morning service, getting, uh, I don't even know how many churches coming together. And, and through the efforts of uh, those endeavors has resulted in an ongoing ministry that's called Jesus Loves Kalamazoo, where close there's between 50 and 100 churches. <clears throat> there's actually 98 churches because they sent me the list and I organized it for them this summer. They were saying 50, and when I got the list and organized it, there's actually representatives of 98 churches or ministries that are active in the Jesus Loves Kalamazoo. And that's that in and of itself is un, un, unprecedented. Okay, They have churches, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, uh, AME churches, all coming together, praying together, and evangelizing the streets together. Um, and that's all a result of the things that we've worked together. So he contacted me, and I find out that um, he's available to provide counsel, and he's got wisdom. And I'm like, this is the guy I need. So we had coffee, and I told him these, these challenges, and I didn't know how to solve it. And he said, you need to stop thinking about it as three churches with three problems and see it as one church with three problems. In other words, build unity between the three congregations so that you can tackle all of the obstacles together. And he kind of laid out a plan at Applebee's, jotting it on a napkin. I still have the piece of paper. Uh, and it just was like, oh, yeah, that's how we could do it. Each congregation in and of itself probably can't overcome the obstacle. But you know when we work together, we can do more, right? You can do more when you work together. And so that's what we've done for the past year and a half is we've built unity between the church campuses. We've had leaders retreats, and it's been wonderful to get the leaders together. We did one here. I think we've done it twice here. We did it once up in Muskegon. And we just get together and dream. We get together and share one, share one another's hearts, get to know one another, pray for one another. And then we have combined services like uh, we just did church at the camp, did the vision day earlier than that. We've had men's retreat, women's retreat, all kinds of different uh, uh, things like that to build unity. And, and then we work together in things like the Blessed Neighbor, Blessed Nation, where we raised $36,000, gave away $6,000 worth of groceries to our neighbors. Come on. Yeah. That was great. All right. Is that good? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I loved it. And thirty thousand uh, dollars to build the training center in Mexico and the training center in Kenya. And my heart was, I wanted to raise money to accomplish to break the barriers that our church is facing. But I wanted to start by raising a bunch of money and giving it away. Okay. I didn't tell you all that, but that was in my heart. That was the plan. I'm like, God, I want, I want to, I want to bless. I want to bless the nations first. Yeah. And so we did. And he did it well. And let me tell you, the ministry in Mexico, the Calio ministry leaders were blown away when we were able to provide that for them. Um, and we're going to continue doing that. So uh, we now have a really integrated church that works together, that knows one another. I love when someone down here posts something on Facebook and someone up in Kalamazoo uh, uh, replies to them, or I hear that uh, someone from Kalamazoo and from down here, or from Vine and, and Nichols are are going on a vacation together, going on a trip, going out of town, or going to a, an event together, because there's friendships. We know one another. And so our family has expanded. 
You know, it's kind of like you have your family and then your kids move out and they have their families. And then there's the other dynamic of the families getting together. And that's that's good. It's not like the old days, but it's really better in a lot of ways. And so that's where we are right now. We have three families, but it's one extended family. Uh, And we've done it. And I believe that we're at a place of integration and unity that we've never been at before. But that then brings us to, okay, how are we going to break through and push through the barriers that each congregation has? Uh, and that leads us to the future. And our scripture that we're basing all of this on is Ephesians 3.20, and that's why it's called 3.20 and beyond. And it says, to him now, who, uh, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church. Where? In the church. In the church. This, so this is about church. Uh, in the church and in Christ Jesus. All glory uh, in the church goes through Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a great, powerful scripture. And I don't think it's talking about heaven, folks. All right? It's not talking about heaven. Because what's going to happen in heaven? Pretty much guaranteed. All right, heaven's going to be glorious, right? All right, that's after the battles. This is talking about now. That's why it says now to him. Now, not someday off in the sweet by and by. All right, now he is able to do now uh, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And so I believe that's for now. Beyond what we ask or think means it's beyond what we imagine uh, the ability doing ourselves. It's beyond what we could comprehend attaining within our own power. And this is really key, folks. If your faith, if you're believing for something that, that's possible, then you're not believing in something that requires God to do. All right? If it's possible within your means, then it's not, it's not the far beyond what we're able to ask or think. And so faith is believing for something that's beyond what seems possible. But with God, right, all things are possible, possible, all right? So here's the needs. I want you to understand them. We need to update the facility at Nichols. You know, uh, Nichols Road, the main Kalamazoo church, it's great, but it's 20 years old. It's very dated. Uh, We have maximized the kids' space. We we have one closet. (laughs) It's tiny. It's jam packed because uh, our main our main storage room we converted into a nursing mother's room uh, because we needed a nursing mother's room and and so it's maxed out. Our main room isn't full because it's the size of a gym, right? But we don't have we really don't even have a foyer. We just have a hallway, and uh, and and all of the kids' rooms are are too small. So we need to expand that, and we need to continue making improvements at the Vine, especially for kids ministry and parking. Uh, and we're we have a strategy for getting a side lot for parking. We need to add a staff pastor here. Okay, That's one of the big parts of this vision is being able to hire someone. Anthony is site pastor at Vine, and so that ha- he's focusing his attention on that congregation and its needs on a daily basis. And uh, you know, uh, Mark's doing great here. I'm here. Uh, per capita, per member, this church has more pastors probably than any church in North America. <laughs> we got Dale, who's an amazing uh, apostolic pastor, uh, years of pastor, myself, Mark, uh, you know, and, but, you know, I understand that it's like shared. And we want somebody that's focused on this congregation, focused in this community. And that's part of the goals of this campaign is to have enough finances so that we can hire someone uh, and pay them well. And then in order to sustain these ministries, <clears throat> this building is, is quite nice. We have a little bit more renovations to do, but we have future plans. We want to expand this and, and improve it. Um, uh, but of, of the three congregate, uh, campuses, this is the nicest because it's, it's freshly renovated. Um, but we need to sustain it by paying off the debt that we owe on this building. Okay, So we do own it, uh, but we owe on it a uh, significant portion. We owe on nickels, and we owe on vine. And if we're able to reduce or ideally pay off those mortgages, that would position all three campuses to be able to afford the improvements and the staffing that's necessary. Okay, So it's freeing up cash to use that money to not put it in the pocket of the bank, but to put it in ministry. All right. So I'm not saying we're, we're preaching a doctrine of debt-free. I mean, debt, that's always the goal. But the goal, uh, I believe it's good stewardship. 
Let's use the money to the most impact so that this church has the most impact, that Vine has the most impact, that Nichols has the most impact, and then the position us to continue to plant churches uh, elsewhere. <clears throat> In order to do these things, we need $1.5 million. <sighs> Somebody laughed? He laughed? I love that. Thank you, Misty. Give her a hand. Yay! It really is. You know, uh, if you look at if you look at it in your own resources, it's not doable. But when we combine all three congregations, it's 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 within the reach. And this is one of the things that Mark, who has expertise in this area, ran the numbers. He looked at our finances. He looked at our attendance. He said, "This is what a church of your size can reach." You know, and this is this is not the easy goal. But this is not the impossible goal, but this is a stretch. You're all, we're already a very giving church. We rank very high on, on the amount giving, of giving, <clears throat> but this is going to be a stretch. In three years, if we're able to do this in three years, then it would free all three congregations to, to, be, to really expand uh, substantially. Whether we do it in three years or 30 years, these are the things that need to be done. Right. And I'm like, let's focus and get it done so we can get on to the next thing. <clears throat> To do this, I'm asking each participant, every person that's uh, a part of New Day, uh, to prayerfully uh, make the largest financial commitment above and beyond your regular giving and tithing to meet this goal. All right. So, so the question is, like Kathy and I, we've we've always given uh, money to missions because uh, I have a I have a heart for missions. That's why I go all over the world. Okay. Um, because I have a heart for missions. God told me right after I got saved, within months, I went to a big missions convention, 17,000 people. I was ready to go to the Muslim country. I'm like, sign me up. And God spoke to me very clearly. It was probably the first time I, one of the first times I heard God so clearly. He said, you're not called to go. You're called to send. So this rocked my world. You're not called to go. You're called to send. And so I, I'm like, yes, yes, sir. And so I've been sending ever since. <clears throat> now I get to go and visit the people I send and places to go, you know, but I, I just go for a week or two and come back. Uh, so we give the missions, we give the, the church, we give to the poor uh, every week, you know. I remember back uh, when we had our third child, William came along, and Kathy was a nurse and I was an assistant pastor. Guess who was making a lot more money? The nurse. The nurse. Well, we realized with three kids, she was homeschooling the two girls. There's no way that she can continue to work. We took a 70% cut in pay. 70%. Um, but you know what? We didn't stop giving. We didn't stop giving to missions. And whether it's missions in Haiti, missions in Japan, missions all over the world. Okay? We didn't stop giving to the church. And we said, how? on paper, there was no way it was going to work. But you know what? We never missed a meal. I didn't starve to death, as you can tell. <laughs> and God carried us, and Kathy didn't have to work for 16 years until we put our youngest in high school, and then she's back working now. Finally! <laughs> All right, so the, the fact is, is that God provides when you, when you believe in him, and you don't withhold out of fear, but you, you give in trust. And so how we need this financial commitment fulfilled is a big 2017 year-end gift. The reason for that is that uh, we, um, we have a balloon payment on the Nichols mortgage, and if we can just knock that down, which is with, really within reach, okay, um, then it changes everything. Uh, if we have to refinance, the bank's going to require us to, to pay out significant fees and refinance everything at a higher interest rate. And if we can knock that down at the beginning of next year, it positions us to pour all of that money into our goal. Um, <clears throat> and then, so a year-end gift, prayerfully consider um, that the big year-end gift you give this year, maybe you can designate it to New Day. And you know, I'm not saying don't give it to other charities that you support. I'm asking you to pray and ask God what you can do um, this is the one time, uh, I don't do this very often, that we're saying, hey, let's raise money for, for this church. Um, and, and, and I think we can do that. And then a three-year commitment where you say, over the next three years, I'm going to give this amount of money. And we want you to take time and pray about that and do what God leads you to do, whether it be a weekly amount, a monthly amount, an annual amount, however God leads you. A few whys, um, why we're doing this, I want you to understand the why, not just the what. 
Um, we want to continue each congregation growing and getting healthier and having a being more effective at reaching our communities and, and going beyond what we currently are. We could stay where we are right now. It's nice and comfortable. But that's not the command of Scripture. The command is to go, okay, to get outside your comfort zone. And so we don't have a plan where we're going to plant the next church. Every church, I didn't, have, I didn't actually I said no three times to Vandalia. I'm like, good, go for it. Nice idea. <laughs> but it was uh, after th- saying no three times, I, 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 there another opportunity came up. I realized this is God. All right. And same thing with Vine. I was like, ah. but it, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. You know, it was, it was clear. And so we don't know. We're trusting the Spirit, but we believe that God's going to lead us to more places, and we believe that each church can grow. We want to raise up uh, uh, n- more leaders. That's we're really good at that. Okay, um, uh, a couple that we released was our worship leader and elder in a church, planted a church in Grand Rapids about 15 years ago. Scott and Stephanie, associate pastors, they're doing a great job down in South Carolina. Uh, people like Mark Morris, who was in the building trades, he had a good job, but he wasn't happy, wasn't fulfilled, and now he's a pastor, and he's the happiest guy. He comes to work every day whistling. Okay, uh, people like uh, uh, people like this worship team. Everybody that led worship this morning, you know, they had never led worship before we started this church, and now we have a worship team. I think that's phenomenal. Okay, that is so good because we create. I said years and years ago, I don't want to. I'd rather have 20 churches, or I'd rather have 10 or 20 churches of 100 to 200 than a church of two or three thousand, because you have. 10 or 20 worship teams and 10 or 20 people doing children's ministry. You actually have people doing ministry. And so that's the big plan, and that's what we want to do. We want to continue launching churches. My passion really is, in my lifetime, to launch 20 churches and have each of those churches have a vision for 20 more and and a a plan to go beyond my generation. So, in other words, after I'm dead, people will still be planting churches out of churches that I planted. All right. And, and, and that's, I hope, your vision too. I hope you can see that vision because the, reaching to the ends of the world is going to take uh, a commitment like that. All right. So, uh, doing this will make a, uh, all three congregations strong, financially self dependent, and able to produce more leaders, plant more ch- churches. One thing about my heart about this is that I kind of feel like a father, and I've been there, where your son or daughter is moving out. All right, and if you if you're not there yet, you'll get there. All right, if you have kids, um, there's this thing that comes on you. You go, I wonder if they're ready. I wonder if they're gonna be able to handle the financial difficulties that you know are gonna come. But not just financial, the emotional struggles, the spiritual struggles. You know, everything changes, and they think it's all gonna be you know perfect if they can just get out of the house. And get their own place. But you know that it just is a new set of challenges. And so I, that's how I feel about these three congregations. I'm like, are they ready? I want you not just to be able to succeed. I want you to, to prosper. You as a church, New Day Vandalia as a church, New Day Vine as a church, New Day Nichols as a church, and what other churches that we launch. I want them to prosper. And doing this will position us to be able to do that. I'm just going to, almost done with my talk. I'm going to have Mark come up and Israel come up and share a little bit. Oops, what happened? There we go. Uh, this is a quote from a magazine I just read a few days ago. Great ideas are a dime a dozen, goes the argument. What's scarce is people who can execute on them. While the importance of execution is indisputable, a string of conversations we've had recently at Inc. has reminded us all that greatness always, always starts with the idea, or to be precise, an idea backed by ferocious belief. Ah! When I read that, I was like, ferocious belief! That's what I want. That's what I have. Okay? I have ferocious belief in the church. That's why this is here. Okay? That's why I was able. That's, we, that's why we took the risk. And look, look around. We have a great church already, and Vine's great too. The place was packed last night. And Nichols is great, but I have a ferocious belief that we can do far more, exceedingly abundantly beyond. And then, then he goes on in this article to describe a story that he's talking about of a young woman who was poor. This was, a, if I remember correctly, the first woman entrepreneur who started a business, had nothing, and became herself a billionaire. A billionaire. And you know what her ferocious belief was in? A line of garments made out of spandex. 
that stretchy stuff? I'm like, that's your example of ferocious belief? She became a billionaire? I think our, what we believe in is a lot more, has a lot more potential than spandex. Amen? We're going to span the world. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have a team that's put together that's uh, leading this initiative. It's not just me. I'm setting the vision for it, but I realize I can't do this. I'm a really busy guy. Um, Israel Yoder is actually the chair of the team. It's called the 320 Lead Team. And uh, we have a three-minute video of um, some of the leaders. Uh, Jimmy McKee, who's on staff, is uh, quarterbacking this. He's admitting it, administrating it. There's a guy named... Um, uh, Matt Vollmer, he's the CEO of a tech company that's pretty huge. It was in, it was in the Inc. 500 uh, two years ago. It was uh, one of the fastest growing tech companies in the, in the country. Um, and Matt, uh, Matt, that was Matt Vollmer, he's also on our board, uh, brilliant guy. Uh, Greg Miller is a realtor and an, uh, has a lot of knowledge in investment and banking, so he's part of it. And Tom Foley, who's also uh, in the building trades, owns Foley Doors, which is the largest, one of the largest overhead door companies in our area. So here we go. Hi, I'm Jimmy, and I'm with several of our New Day folks who are part of the leadership team for the Vision 320 and Beyond initiative that we're, that we're launching today at all New Day Camps. I want to ask them all, why is it that you are excited about this Vision 320 and beyond? Camp Martin Leader has a vision for growth. And in life and business, you're truly either growing, getting better, developing your vision, or you're shrinking and dissolving. You know, they're getting saved. We're, we're learning how to use our gifts to impact the community, impact our neighbors, people at work. And the more people that we can reach with this message, the better. But we have this love. We have these good things to give. And so if we can make improvements to our building, if we can pay things off to have capacity to do more, let's go for it. Let's do it. And I believe that if we could uh, open the front of the church up, expand our building, we can reach out to the whole it's really surprising to me every time I see the finances come out uh, how much we give to missions and how much we give to the poor. That is not a normal thing uh, in most churches. And I'm super excited about expanding that with Vision 320 um, and really making a place for more people with that same vision to come to New Day. One of the reasons I'm excited is, is to see New Day step into a place of, uh, of expansion, of extending our borders even more, continuing the vision that we've been doing for so long, and in planting more churches in, in new areas, and, and, and being able to be financially freed up to look at what other opportunities we have as, as a church, as a movement even, to, to plant churches, to extend the kingdom. And I think uh, us together, we can accomplish this. We can raise the funds needed to expand the Nichols campus, to do some work at uh, the Vine Street campus that's needed to be done, and to really pour into the Vandalia campus and beyond. I think Cameron has some really incredible vision and some uh, repeatability for what is has happened here at this church, a real safe environment for families and children. So I'm very excited to partner with Cameron and on this. Thanks. <laughs> I love all those guys because they really helped me a lot. I, want, I asked Mark to come. He's an outside voice. In other words, he's not part of our congregation, but he's he's a he's a brother in the Lord, and he's a he's one of the people I go to for counsel. So just to share for a few minutes his perspective. Thank you. Um, you have a microphone. But there. I'm still part of the family. And you I are. I need a microphone because I'm a nope. big guy and I talk. But we record so, it. Oh, you record. Okay. Yeah. So. But I don't have four hands. So. I can pull. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as you watch those, I remember, golly, I was a, just had graduated Western when New Day first started and remember meeting Ken once or twice. And, and uh, oh yeah, and uh, wow, to see what God's done in our midst and to have the joy of 
driving down here, and I don't know, it's the fourth or fifth time I've had the privilege of worshiping with you and just to see what God's doing uh, in our midst and what he's going to do. Um, I read a book from a pastor in the Grand Rapids area. His name was Jeff Mannion, and he had the vision of Ada Bible Church, which is now like massive. But they have like six or seven campuses now as well. And in this book called Satisfy, he said, giving is an exercise of trust. And that really, well, it wasn't a dagger, but it, but God used it this summer to motivate me of how much was I trusting God. And there have been a number of times in our lives, in my married life with my wife, where we've trusted God. Um, I remember the first time we were really challenged to give beyond what we were normally doing uh, to the church. And, and we started tithing right uh, in 1980, at the beginning of our marriage, 38, year, 38 years, well, it's going to be 38 in December. So we got married in December 1st, 79, and uh, I better remember that date, right? And uh, and so we had the envelope system, you know, we were newlyweds, and we had to try to figure out what was going on. And we had this envelope that had $20 a week in it. That was emergency or, you know, if, if things were going okay, maybe we could go to a movie or something like that. Because between the two of us, I think we were making about $17,500, you know. And so by the time you had your giving envelope and, and everything else, there wasn't a lot left. And we were challenged with what could we do for a special project over three years. And Debbie and I decided to give that $20 a week in our emergency envelope. And God seemed to always uh, replenish that $20. I don't know how, but the Bible's full of those kind of stories, right? The five loaves and the two fishes and the, and the oil in the pots and everything like that. I mean, that's the God we serve. And when we say, you know, this isn't impossible, we can laugh like Sarah laughed. Like, you know what? God can do it. And uh, and so that was just one example of what and, and I and I didn't didn't hit me at the time, but twenty dollars a week over three years, three grand, you know. And if they had said, all right, fill out this card and and say over the next three years I'm going to give three thousand, I mean I'd have gone <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> we just found out that we're going to have our first baby and all. But God did it, and I believe he can do it again. He will do it again today. Um, maybe it's a whole different way. So 1981, I started working for a bank corporation in Kalamazoo. First National Bank, which became First of America, which became, you know, I mean, they keep buying them, buying them, buying them, right? And for the three years that I worked at First National to First of America, I had forgotten that $50 a paycheck had gone out, no, $25 a paycheck had gone out, getting paid twice a month, so $50 a month had gone out to buy stock. Forgotten all about it. And three years ago, we faced a family illness and had to look at some things, and, and God provided miraculously with that. But in going back, all of a sudden, I had this stock that I had put about $1,500 into was worth five times that amount now. And that I could, we ended up giving that money. And I didn't have that tax burden or all that kind of stuff. We could give five times more than we thought we could give. Just in that one little, wait, maybe that's some of you. I don't know. But God's going to do something supernatural in our midst. I really believe that. And the, and the man who wrote that book that I quoted at the beginning also said this, giving is a natural outflow of a thankful heart. I stand as a thankful man, and I really believe that God has uh, got me in front of a bunch of thankful people too, and that God's going to do something supernatural in our midst. And I'm praying, and, and uh, we're working hard 
to uh, see that happen. Thanks, Mark. Mark's uh, uh, coaching me through this, and he's bringing his expertise. I just want Israel to share briefly his perspective. Why don't you come on up, Is Give Israel a hand. Come on. So I brought my big, fat Bible. I know. It. I'm going to keep it short. I'm not going to tell. There's, there's a story that... Uh, yeah, we have time. I had something else. Many of you heard a story I shared about giving and um, how God had led me or prompted me to give everything I had away and put myself or put us in a vulnerable position. I can tell you that story personally, one-on-one or, or whatever, if you want to know more about it. But I just feel burdened to share this. Uh, number one, I absolutely 100% support this vision that Cameron set before us, I'm so excited to see what God's going to do through this. But um, let me read just a little bit here real quick. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. That's the part that keeps sticking out to me, and I've been in that spot in my life where I put all that I had to live on in the treasury. It's scary, it's overwhelming, but it is such an amazing place to be. And... um, I just would encourage us, if you're the rich man, put in all you have to live on. If you're the widow, put in all you have to live on. If you're somewhere in the middle, trust God to do what only God can do. It is a rich, wonderful place to live, place to do life. And I think there's an element in that that, I don't know how to put it, but it does something to the heart of God. It's it's an I absolutely trust you, God, and here's the evidence of it. A couple other quick verses um, that I've been thinking about in this context. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. I'll let you figure out what that looks like to you, but again, that kind of puts us in a vulnerable and awkward spot um, where God can do great things. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else, and in their prayers for you, Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So my admonition to all of us, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the leader of this church, I'm one of you. I love being challenged to give, to give generously, to give lavishly, sacrificially. I want to encourage us all to prayerfully consider what that looks like in our lives As it was said about the widow, she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. May God give us the strength to live that way. Is is not a big show, not a big program, not a lot of posters and and videos and stuff like that. Uh, go ahead and hand them out because uh, part of it is 
we want this to be about spiritual growth. This whole year has been on spiritual growth. We've been talking about the, the three journeys as a metaphor of spiritual growth. And so in this, we want this to be uh, linked to spiritual growth. It's not just a f- uh, fundraiser. We really want this to raise uh, you spiritually. And so this booklet, one, one per person. <clears throat> we should have enough. Uh, the first page kind of explains how to use it, and uh, Mark and I worked together to compile this and ad- adapted it from another resource. It's 40 uh, days with an idea or a quote about uh, something concerning your stewardship of finances or, or wealth or, or uh, possessions, materials. And um, then a number of scriptures, and you can look up one or two or all of them. There's four or five for each day. And just jot down what the Lord puts on your heart. Maybe you see something you never saw before. Maybe you have a question. Um, Write it down. And prayerfully, uh, what we're going to do is all three churches, uh, if, if, if people respond to this and do it, if you do this, we'll all be thinking about this idea of how we steward our finances together. And by the end of it, uh, through this time, also be praying, God, what do you want me to do? We're not going to manipulate you or force you. We just want you to hear God, trust that God can communicate to you, and that you can hear from Him how you can be a participant in this goal and how you can uh, reach this, as Misty says, very attainable uh, uh, goal. (laughs) Over the next six weeks, we'll be distributing more information with some details. Some people are detail-oriented. I didn't want this meeting to be details one. We've gone... 15 minutes over already. I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, we will be distributing details, more details, and uh, more explanations, and then pledge cards, uh, mailing them out and having them available in the, at church um, the first week of December. And we're asking by the end of the year, you have your pledge turned in, and then any year-end gifts as well that you can do. <clears throat> So we want everyone to be prayerfully uh, seeking his will to see how you can participate. And I believe that when we work together in this, uh, we can uh, work with God to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. All right? Can we close in prayer? Father, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I I pray blessing on them in every area of their life. I pray for their spirit, for their soul, for their body, as well as for their finances. Uh, Lord, that uh, we can be uh, faithful in every area of our life so that we can represent you to the world, what we're really called to do. And so in this and in every aspect of our lives, Jesus, be lifted up, be, mag- be magnified in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we have our prayer team available on my right, uh, and they'll pray for you concerning whatever needs you have. And then because it's the first weekend, we have Rhema Ministry, which are people trained to hear God's word and share with you personally a word of encouragement or comfort or an exhortation. Otherwise, bullseye donuts out in the family room and great fellowship. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for coming.